0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, how are you today? Y'all ready to talk some Penn State football?
2: That's what I do it's 95% of what i do so i'm always ready
1: now i'm curious what's the other 5%
2: currently house shopping
1: <laughs> oh i did not know that uh, yeah early congratulations then on going house oh, shopping oh yeah it's
2: it well we've been doing it for 7 months now so <laughs> it, it, hold your applause until afterwards <laughs> Well, home shopping, at least
1: you hit that perfect time because interest rates are oh wait a minute. They aren't the <laughs> lowest them anymore. Anyway, let's move yeah. on to the ninety five percent T Frank. Let's do let's do Penn State football. We've been going through your positional analysis or is that analyses?
2: Analyses. Yeah.
1: Okay, we've been going through your analyses and we are Starting on offense, we got through the offensive line and the quarterbacks. It's time to talk running backs. Interesting position group, T. Frank. I classified the players. Players lost from last year's team. Noah Kane, we know that he transferred. Seems like nobody even remembers that anymore. We got holdovers, Keevon Lee, Devin Ford. I classified as... Not a holdover, but the forgotten man is Kaziah Holmes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've got our new guys, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Uh, let's start at what I assume will be the top, or at least the default guy to get things going, and that's Kevon Lee. Kind of an up-and-down career with Penn State. What are you expecting from
2: him? Yeah. A bit of an up-and-down career. I think he's been the same guy the entire time. The situation around him has changed and sort of dictated that particular situation. I thought he was a good freshman, you know, in 2020, where he was thrust in the starting lineup and was asked to contribute early. Things were simple for him, and he ran, broke tackles, got the yards that were there, he was asked to do more in 2021, and early on he struggled to do that. So, you know, I, I get what you're saying there, but it wasn't like he had a lot of clean reads in, in easy lanes. So as the season went on last year, I thought he picked his game up. And, I, you know, before we get on to dismissing him for the superstar freshman, you know, we have to acknowledge the improvement he made last year, both as a uh, receiver, as a running back, and as a runner. I thought he was a little more patient. His vision improved over the course of the year. So there is is there there is value to what he brings to the table. And he will, in my estimation, be a part of this no matter what happens in 2022. Because he brings a lot of good things to the table. He was a good pass protector by the end of the season. And I think that's going to be a big role for him this this season as well.
1: The natural question, and we all have this tendency as fans, what's... I call it the shiny new object, you know, who's yeah. who's the new star. We're never happy with the guy who is there, so we look to the new guy and I'm I know I'm jumping around as far as the returning guys, but I'm going to jump right away to the new guys Nick Singleton and Catron Allen and even more particularly Nick Singleton because there's such high expectations for him. Yeah. How does the coaching staff handle that? You know he has such a high ceiling, but how do you bring him into the rotation?
2: Whatever he can handle. I, mean, I don't think it's any different than any other player. The, the reason his expectations are so high is not just for his talent, but also what he can provide to the offense, which is something they need. And that's explosive plays. We've talked about it a lot this offseason. Of explosive runs help change the math of your offense. It erases plays from drives because then you don't have to play second and four because it's first and 10 and you gain 15 yards. Like Those things change a lot about your offense. And all those nice things I said about Keevon Lee, the reason he's in this situation, the reason Penn State fans are salivating over Nick Singleton is because Those nice things are what he is. I don't, I, you know, even from his freshman season, I didn't see the explosiveness and the breakaway speed necessary to be a, you know, complete running back. So, Nick Singleton has that dynamic, and that's why he is such a big part of the conversation because of who he is as a person, the maturity he's shown so far, the work ethic he's shown to make himself one of the best athletes coming into Penn State in recent memory, and also what that means for the offense, a, a screaming knee that we saw the results of not having it last season. So it's a compounding effect of normally people like me are sitting in this situation going, guys, calm down, slow down. Let's all take a beat. He's a freshman, but even the analysts and the people that are, you know, the coaches and everybody else is kind of saying, yeah, Nick Singleton has to be a player this year. So that kind of builds upon this anticipation, this expectation, because no one is saying no. <laughs> there's, there's nobody saying Nick Singleton is not going to contribute this year. There's, there's no. Let's have some caution. It's everyone's like, yeah, we need to see what he does because it's a big part of the season.
1: It feels like we're going to get that LeVar Arrington or Saquon Barkley technique where they're not just handed the job to start the year but they end up playing and may end up being the primary guy, even if they're not starting the game. So I I suspect that he'll get in the rotation. He may not get the first series or a second series, but by the third series he'll be in and we'll get a chance to see what he brings to the table.
2: This is always a take-it-for-what-it's-worth situation, but on Monday when Penn State held their open practice and we were able to see the portion of practice that was open, um, during the drills and during some special teams work, he was the first running back through. Now, Lee and Katron Allen, we were told beforehand, they just wanted us to know they were both at class, like they had a class conflict. So Keevan Lee wasn't there. Uh, so Nick, but Nick was still the first one through these drills. It wasn't Devin Ford. It wasn't Kaziah Holmes. It was, it was Nick Singleton. So that should tell you where he is already in the pecking order. As a guy who was here as an early enrollee, he's done everything necessary to be a contributor this fall. So, you know, not to stoke the fires even further of importance and all of that stuff. I I could see a situation where, you know, we we talk about Saquon Barkley and and his progression towards being the lead guy his freshman season. You know, maybe because he's an early or an early enrollee, maybe that happens earlier for Nick. But there's so there's so much stuff to go before then. We have to actually see him do something first.
1: So I should hold off on saying T. Frank's predicting he'll be the superstar game one against Purdue.
2: Right. Yeah. But I who knows by Auburn. You know, if they need him, they need him.
1: Which leads to the question now. Let's talk about Devin Ford and Kaziah Holmes, who have certain skill sets. Do they have a place in this rotation?
2: It's a great question. Uh, certainly, one of them will. A third running back is usually a reasonable person, you know, a reasonable number to get in the game. Uh, and Catron Allen, he's making the best case he can. To be that guy as the third running back as a true freshman with all of his talents, both mentally and physically. Uh, Devin Ford is an interesting player. You know, uh, he's 190 pounds. He's a running back. He looks, uh, he looks like he's 190 pounds. So I, I don't know what to say about him as far as what's his role in the offense, in 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 outside of just being a running back. What is his role in the offense? Because. I don't think he had a problem being physical last year, but can he does he have enough of all the things he needs to take carries away from the three guys we've mentioned? And then Keziah Holmes, it's I've been a huge fan of his talent, but there's got to be a reason that no one else mentions him. There's got to be a reason, something going on where he has he's 217 pounds. And I talk about him like as a speed back, but he has a great blend of size and speed. He has tackle-breaking ability, what we saw in 2020. But we literally haven't seen anything since, and it feels like he's always the last person to be mentioned. So that's hard. That's getting harder and harder to keep bringing that name up as somebody who's going to be a factor this year.
1: Well, when reading the tea, lease, sometimes I always get... um questioning how it works when the coaches face a press conference if the media says hey how about that katron allen you know the newspaper articles the next day or any of the articles online say gee the coaching staff seems to really like katron allen and no one asked about Kaziah holmes had they mm-hmm. <laughs> would be hearing more about Kaziah holmes and it's hard to ask too many questions because we're not seeing him anymore because he redshirted last year. To me it looks like you have five different guys who could possibly play and the rotation as you mentioned earlier is typically three guys. Yeah. That means two are going to be left out. Any predictions on which two you think that will be?
2: Oh, uh, so I think Devin Ford will have a role in the offense somehow. You know, I just I, maybe as a gadget player, maybe on special teams. So I think he has a role but the top 3 guys kind of seem like the top 3 guys. And James Franklin isn't afraid to say you ask about a player to position and then he goes, "Oh, and we think X is having a great season too." And and that is that has not happened with Kaziah. So that's just, you know, kind of trying to understand the situation, trying to understand the the breakdown and injury is going to be a part of this. So that's another thing. Is injury is going to be a part of this they may all have to contribute this year. But as far as if we're talking about out of the gate, I would say that uh, Devin Ford and Catron Allen might be splitting that third-player role, but it's going to be Keevon Lee Nick Singleton to start the season.
1: That's interesting. The other thing with Devin Ford is you mentioned he's at 190. That's down from what he was previously, correct?
2: Yeah, about... 10 pounds. So I'm actually looking it up because Penn State released a an updated roster. I didn't see a difference. Um, just give me one second. Yeah, 191 pounds. So he gained a pound since the last roster update. So he's just always had kind of a, a hard time keeping weight on. He tried after his freshman season to put some weight on. I think he was at 205 maybe at one point. And it, it just, he got, you know, he's been banged up a lot throughout his career And this is kind of where it seems like he's settled of not trying to be the complete back at 205, but kind of be a 5'11, 195 scat back. And if he can be that and he can play with physicality, then yeah, there's an opportunity for him to have a role.
1: That's what I was wondering. They typically, it seems, make their running backs bigger, they don't shrink. And I just wondered if that was a conscious decision and with it, they were going to turn them into something. We hadn't seen before. RIT Frank, that's it for quarter number one and the running backs. Quarter number two, we're looking at the receivers. Statecollege.com is your one stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise. Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
3: What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State, by author Greg Woodman, looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. I'm along with the expert. The guy, when you want to know about guys on Penn State's football team, when we're doing this positional analysis, T. Frank is the guy we want to go to for all the answers. Right, T. Frank?
2: Uh, I don't want to give a, a, a cheap answer, but don't, don't tell my wife that. <laughs> don't tell my wife I have all the answers. Now I'm sounding like an old married man. The thing I said I would never be.
1: <laughs> well, it turns out maybe you're becoming like that uh, because you're shopping for a house, that commercial where you turn into your parents once you go house shopping. I think so. So you turn into the old married guy. That's going to be <laughs> you, T. Frank. It sneaks up on you, T. Frank. Trust me. I know. I'm speaking from experience. All right. Let's, let's talk about receivers. I didn't say wide receivers. I said receivers in general will get both wide receivers and tight ends. Let's start with the wide receivers. One loss among the wide receivers, and it was a big one. Jahan Dotson has moved on, returning, I'll call him starters, Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith. And you get Mitchell Tinsley coming in from Western Kentucky. Let's start there, T. Frank. Mm. Give us the scouting report on Mitchell Tinsley. Is he the Sixth- next Jahan Dotson?
2: uh there's certain elements of his game that do remind me of jahan you know i think he can make good acrobatic catches in the air uh, and and he is he has the potential to be a number one so when we talk about that role in the offense does there have to be a number one can parker washington be that guy or is it Mitchell Tinsley? Or are they going to share that duty? That is a big question to start the year, and I think that's what training camp is going to decide. That's how this is going to shake out, is it does somebody step up and you demand to be the focal point of the offense? But it doesn't have to be that way this year, because they have good options you know, you mentioned receivers at tight end at receiver down to their fourth receiver option could be pretty good this year as well. So Mitchell Tinsley is six one two zero two. 202. He's a big physical player. You know, I know people think physical meaning 220, but he's a physical presence on the football field. A good contested catch player. James Franklin mentioned he needed to get more explosive in his testing numbers, but he was an explosive deep play threat last year for Western Kentucky. I think he can, the receiving part, the route running, the skills part, he's got down. It was just, can he take it to the next level and be truly dominant at a Big Ten sort of situation? So we will see that during training camp. Where is he there? I still am just blown away that Parker Washington is 5'10, 215. He's the slot receiver. Possession-type player, but with good enough speed. I You know, I, I always thought he could get faster at Penn State. And maybe that's still in the cards when, you know, he's... I don't want to say he's more developed, he's a junior now, but in terms of, like, I just think that there's a little more room for him to to provide some deep threat outside of what he did last year. So those are the top two receivers for Penn State that everyone is focusing on coming into camp, and rightfully so, I think they have the best resume, they have the best consistency, the best hands, acrobatic catches. They're a good tandem, and I think Penn State's in a good spot there.
1: Keandre Lambert-Smith, is he definitely the number three guy?
2: No, I don't think that's a definite. I think he is the leader for that, but there are players that this camp can push him and can be a part of the conversation at that third receiver position. And truthfully, they can also be a part of the conversation behind Mitchell Tinsley because we haven't determined that Mitchell Tinsley has to stay on the field. He There's a couple of nuances with Tinsley that we can get into in the spring game. He was covering for Parker Washington, who wasn't there. He's playing in the slot, so Tinsley has some versatility to play throughout the formation. But really, when you're looking at the receiver position, that third receiver, the other boundary receiver position, lining up on the outside of the formation comes down to Keandre Lambert-Smith. Can he be consistent and provide all the things that he provides without the mental mistakes and the highs and lows? Malik Mega, can he break out? Can he show that he's a receiver and not just a 6'4 athlete with great potential? And then there's the dark horse and the guy that, You know, I only saw a couple minutes, but looked really good at practice on Monday evening, and that is Harrison Wallace, who's always impressive when the ball is in the air. Big vertical threat as far as leaping ability, catching the ball above his head. Comes down, great body control. So Penn State's in a good spot because only one of those players really has to work out to be a complimentary third. And like they did last year, they can cycle through those guys if somebody's being inconsistent. But unlike last year, all three of them have legitimate potential. So it gives Penn State depth and flexibility and the latitude for somebody to not hit the if. You know, if this happens, you have a couple guys with an if instead of, you know, one guy with an if and then you're left with a bunch of guys that you probably don't feel comfortable playing. So that's a good position to be in.
1: Wallace was the one who made that really nice catch in the end zone yeah. from Vayu in the I don't think I've ever game, seen him right? any-
2: I don't think I've ever seen him catch the ball on the ground. He's always in the air.
1: Exciting player, exciting possibility. I'll put the question together. Two different groups. We have the couple returning guys, Jaden Dotton and Liam Clifford. And then we have the uh, two true freshmen, Omari Evans and Caden Saunders. Do you expect to see any of them get on the field?
2: I think it's certainly a possibility. Uh, I don't want to count Jaden Dotton out. I just haven't seen anything from him. You know, a guy that has not—you see him go through drills, and you and and there's not anything physically that stands out. He's a, a quality prospect. Um, and then when it's when you when you talk about Liam Clifford, I see him as a big slot. Now, if I'm incorrect about that, and he's a part of that competition to play on the outside, I talked to him this spring, and he said he wants to play all over inside outside doesn't matter i think he'd line up in the backfield if you asked him to and sometimes watching him compared to the other guys he kind of looks like a tight end so you know maybe who knows but um it's just there's a lot we've got five guys we're talking about that are the headliners it's just very hard to crack that particular rotation and if you are i'd also throw mason stall in there a quarterback convert playing receiver i i I think he's got a little bit of, you know, that sixth Wiley receiver that comes in the game. He's fast. He was putting some moves on Daquan Hardy. I think it was Daquan Hardy. It's always hard to tell in, in you know, the blue-white scrimmage if somebody's wearing the right number. But he made some great moves during a seven-on-seven where I thought he ran good routes. Physical player for being a quarterback. So, you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys there, which is why the freshmen, it seems to me, are pretty easy to redshirt this year. Now, Caden Saunders has a great ability. He's, he has route running prowess. He's got electric speed. He provides more speed from the slot than anybody else can. But do you need that this year? And do you want to burn that red shirt? Is it worth it? Are you going to get enough snaps out of him? So that would be the question of it's a value proposition at that point. But if he's too good and you've got to put him on the field, you've got to put him on the field. But that's, gonna, that's a very high bar this year.
1: The world has changed a bit too though I feel like with the red shirt which is for these guys a lot of them are gone anyway very few of them go through 5 years right at, at school so less less I'm less concerned about burning red shirt the other part to it is they're allowed to play four games so if yeah. you have an injury to a guy who's going to be
2: out you know two or three weeks you could have someone fill in for him, right? You'll see. You'll see some of these guys for sure. I think you'll see Caden Saunders. Uh, You better see Liam Clifford because that means they've blown out a team. They need to blow out a team this year. So if that, you know, whether it's Ohio or if it's, and I hate to always do this, but if it's Rutgers finally, you're back to blowing out Rutgers again, then you're definitely going to see all these guys. But, you know, what are the meaningful snaps? I don't think you'll see the meaningful snaps or too many of them out of the guys we're talking about here.
1: All right, T Frank. Let's switch over to the tight ends. An interesting group. Uh, the three returning guys, I think, are the only ones relevant. I'm not concerned too much beyond those three. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong on that. No. But you're correct. Breton Strange, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren. They each bring something a little different to the table, and I, I guess some of us have expected Theo Johnson to take that next step. Yeah. And be the star tight end. Are we off? Are we still going to see that from him?
2: Man, I don't know. <laughs> it's TBD because yeah, the, the physical skills, the pedigree, everything, you know, the hype was definitely there. And he's six foot six and runs a four or five according to Penn State, like that he's had those times. We've seen them posted online. So that should be that's the makings of a star tight end. But when it comes to the whole position. I don't think you're going to see him as a star at the whole position. He just has to become not a liability as a run blocker, or provide Mike Gesicki level receiving skills, which we really haven't seen. And that's my concern: is that there was a lot of inconsistency in his route running last year. There was not a, a ton of separation. He ran a couple good routes. Now we're talking about such a small sample size that you can yeah button what if, and you can point out like eight routes that were great. But on the whole, I, I thought he had to make strides as a receiver. Uh, Bretton Strange, I'd say the same thing. I had similar expectations of here's a poppy explosive receiver, six foot three. He can turn. I expected him to run great routes. I just I have not seen all of that from those two players. And then you got Tyler Warren, who's a bit a little bit like Harrison Wallace, where every time you throw the ball up, he comes down with it. He seems to be like the the most physical of the three. So You've I I genuinely don't know which guy I want from an evaluation standpoint to be the lead tight end because I can make a case for each of them. And that's why this is such a deep and talented position, but also why it's such a uh, it has the potential to be such a disappointment because somebody has to do it. Somebody has to actually take that step. And I from from what you know where the question started, I just don't know that Theo Johnson is going to be that complete guy. And you might have to be a complete tight end in this room to be the guy.
1: And with that being the case, in some way is having the three of them a little bit of a negative because you're not sure any of the three is going to get that opportunity to stand out. I'm a t- very much a Tyler Warren guy. I think if given the opportunity, he would be a real standout, but I'm not sure he's going to get that chance to do it when you have two other pretty talented guys in the same room.
2: Yeah, so, th- yes. I think he and Bretton Strange have a similar skill set and he has maybe a little more upside but the best the best overall consistent player of the group is Bretton Strange when it comes to run blocking and his assignments he just needs to provide that upper level uh production and if he can do that then Tyler Warren has plenty of time left on his card and you would have a, a run of really good tight ends uh do you need to have just one guy? So from a perception standpoint, you do. But if it's a production and all three are producing, I don't think that matters. But it might matter to the perception in the end that there is no there is no Pat Fryermuth or Mike Kosicki here, but you've got a lot of guys that can do that. They're just playing the role in the offense. The last thing I'll say is usually you have two, a blocking tight end and a second tight end, you know, as a receiver, main guy, secondary guy. You got three here. So you're splitting a very limited role.
1: Very good, T. Frank. All right, stick around next quarter, quarter number three. We take your questions and we ask T. Frank. Statecollege.com is your one stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise. Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school team and place you love
3: in his book why penn state author greg woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to happy valley in the 1980s a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time this compilation of rare photos original essays and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are start your journey today order online at whypennstate.com
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with T. Frank Carr, and it's quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. T Frank will answer your Penn State football or recruiting questions, or if you want questions on life itself, you're good at those questions, T Frank. I know that. Selectively. If you want to... <laughs> Again, if we checked in with your wife, she may not agree. Correct?
2: Uh, just just recently. That's all. <laughs>
1: Anyway, if you want to submit your question, download our app from the App Store. Just search on Keystone Sports, or you can also email us at info at All right, the winner, though. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question, and they will receive a copy of the great book, Why Penn State, by Greg Woodman. It's also available at WhyPennState.com. It's also available on Amazon. It talks about how Penn State became what we know of Penn State. And he emphasizes the decade of the 80s, T. Frank. I know you don't remember that decade. Trust me, it was a good one for Penn State football. Ready for your questions? Let's do it. All right. Let's start with Kent in Raleigh, North Carolina. He says, hey, guys, you do a great job. I appreciate all the stats and how you don't pull your punches. Well, appreciate that, Kent. Uh, My questions are based around offensive strategy of running the RPO. Just wondering, what type of offense do the top four or five college programs run? What is the best offense for a team that doesn't have the best offensive line and a lack of depth there? And if you were the offensive coordinator at Penn State, what style offense would you run? Gee, when Ooh. he references a team without the best offensive line, I wonder who he's talking about.
2: Uh, yeah. So that that's um that's a layered question. So let's start with let's start with the i uh, the the first question. What are the best offenses? The consistently best teams run. Well, Ohio State ran a power spread offense that was basically a triple option with, um, urban Meyer that has been replaced by a deep passing attack with a inside, outside zone play action spread. The, the point is the best offenses can do a little bit of everything. Um, Alabama runs RPOs. They run out of the spread. S- uh, Steve Sarkeesian did a great job with that stuff. Bill O'Brien has brought in a little more, you know, hand on the dirt, couple tight ends, play action, run the ball. So eh, there isn't really a great answer to that, and it would truthfully, it would have to. I would have to go in and do a lot of heavy research on non-Penn State teams and, and some of the other things to give you a better answer. But the 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 answer is everyone runs a version of spread. Essentially, lots of teams, most of teams run a spread offense. And the point of the spread offense and the point of RPOs and the, part, the point of read option and all of these other things is to de-emphasize the traditional running game for teams that don't have an elite offensive line. That's the point, that you can find yardage, whether it's the quarterback keeping the ball with numbers, whether it's the quarterback throwing the ball into numbers or away from numbers, or whether it's some other form of those things, that is the point of the original point of the spread offense and the original point of some of these other concepts is to give you that advantage. Um, If I were to run an offense, we did this a couple weeks ago. I'm a big proponent of the outside zone. You know, I I mentioned this before I covered uh, the San Francisco 49ers for a short period of time. I think what Kyle Shanahan does is great, but he has even evolved to incorporate some more power and pulling and other concepts and schemes. So the point is, you can't just be one thing. You do have to evolve over time. But you need to have a base and a bread and butter. And and I think that I like that style. Because I I believe it gives you the opportunity for explosive runs, more more explosive runs, a little bit more frequently. Outside of, this is always my problem. And I know I'm, I'm monologuing here, but power running, to me doesn't make sense. We're going to take two offensive linemen from the backside and we're going to pull them and we're going to shove a fire hose through a pin. Like, I don't know why that has to be the the, why we have to think of that as like the ultimate of football, that we have to ram eight bodies through one point in time. Why wouldn't you try to find the best opportunity to find out where the offense, the defense isn't and then run through that lane? Like, that, to me, when you look at zone running and the running back being able to read and make one cut and explode upfield, sometimes you'll get caught in the backfield. But a lot of times, like, you're not, you're not beating your head on a brick wall, where you're just running in, in, into the back of the butt of your center or the butt of your guard and getting three yards. Because that's the way my daddy did it. And there's a lot of that, I feel like, sometimes when it comes to, we need to run X. And it's like, but why? But why do we need to do that? That seems inefficient.
1: Stop using logic T. Frank. I don't like that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The other thing I want to point out is no matter which offense you're using, better talent helps make it work.
2: I think that's the main point about the first part of that question for sure.
1: Yeah. The Jimmies and Joes as opposed to the X's and O's, as they say. All right. Let's go with uh, Brad and Perkesey. With Manny Diaz being the defensive coordinator, should Penn State have a turnover chain, and will they? And if so, how will the fans respond?
2: Brad, <laughs> my guy, if there's a thing I care less about, uh, you know, when it comes to this upcoming season, I don't know if I can think of it off the top of my head. The fans will react the exact way you know they will. I, I, I don't, you know... I think it's, when it's cool, it's cool. And in the moment when Miami had the turnover chain, it was peak Miami. It was a big middle finger to, to, to tradition. It was a big middle finger to all of the norms of football. And they were good enough to do it. So be good enough to do it if you're going to do it. And own it. And be comfortable in your own skin. That's fine. Other than that, like, you know, I the Lawn Boys thing has been a little bit forced i feel like it doesn't it it, first off i don't think lawn boys is a great nickname to begin with uh and secondarily you know when you're the second person to do something it's just less original but if kids don't care and it gets them hyped up and it makes them try extra hard that extra half a percent i i don't think i'm anyone to judge
1: oh you mentioned the lawn boys thing but other than the turnover chain, we're seeing this all over the country with teams. Yeah, I have no issue with it, and I didn't have any problem with the lawn boys thing. Even though I'm a cranky old man, you know, get off my lawn type. Yeah, but no, no pun there intended to get off the lawn <laughs> and lawn boys thing. But um, because it was, it didn't feel like it was overdone. My only issue with these things is you're down thirty to nothing. And you get yeah. a turnover. Yeah. Don't put on the turnover chain. St- stand on the That's the, the start bench, of the
2: rally. And, and that's the start right there. Right? So that's what they're thinking is like, okay, we got a turnover. Now we're gonna go get seven. Then we're gonna another turn. Like you've got to, you've gotta believe. You can never waver in your belief. Uh, so this is this is my problem. And uh, I don't mean to to cut off your point completely. No, go ahead. And I apologize. The question, and Brad, you know, Brad's having fun and and it's it's a fun question but part of me hates this question because people bring this up all the time just to stir up the hornet's nest just to hear everyone buzz and everyone it's like i don't need all of that i don't need all of that ambient emotion i'm an i'm an empath i'm a guy that absorbs emotion and when i hear this like toxic vitriol coming from the internet i don't need that i need zen i need to be centered so when we talk about the turnover chain i just get like I just shut down because I don't want all of the I, I'm not a person who loves the drama.
1: What's fascinating to me, T Frank, for a guy who goes all zen
2: and settled down, you got quite worked up. That's the thing. Like I I, I get worked up. So the, the, the thing that works people I get worked up and then, then you lose focus, you you lose your <laughs> you lose your clarity. And you know, it's just don't like it.
1: I personally feel like uh, Brad pushed your buttons here,
2: and Brad,
1: I appreciate it. I think that (laughs) makes it fun. (laughs) All right, let's go to Alan in Scranton, who says, "T Frank, love love your stuff. What is your biggest concern for this team going into the season?"
2: Oof. Um, So I'll I'll go with the defense. I'll go with the defense, because I think the offense is what it is. There's a, The offensive line, obviously, is is a big question mark. of, And I, I feel positively about that particular question mark. Not so much so that I think it's going to be a strength and they'll be runaway great, but that they can function this year. And really, the biggest question is Nick Singleton and the way he integrates in the offense. There's a lot of other known commodities on the offensive side. Defensive end, you've got, from a pass rushing perspective, got... The guy who has the most career snaps, according to PFF, you know, like, total snaps in his career is Nick Tarburton. Adisa Isaac's been around forever, but he hasn't been able to play. So that's a... What do you, what do you know about Adisa Isaac? Not what you feel, not what, but what do you functionally know? And I don't think we know a ton about Adisa Isaac. We talk about guys that flash, and, you know, that was the talk about we have a couple guys that flash, but nobody does it consistently. That was Adisa Isaac before. Now, he was only given opportunities to flash. He was never given the opportunity to be the guy, and I think that's a fair thing to say. But we've only seen flash. Damian Robinson, Chop Robinson is coming over from being a hybrid player, playing full-time DN. I'm very bullish on his career. I, I think he's going to be very good. But he and Denai Dennis Sutton, what do we know? What do we know about those guys? So the the defense can be very boomer bust this season fall where if they don't get pressure from those guys and some guys on the interior, either are injured or there's inconsistency up front and they don't have an of to shut things down and to provide the pressure to give the secondary opportunities to get the ball. You might see more turnovers and big plays. And that's my concern. I've said this a couple times. If you're putting pressure on the quarterback and it's not getting there, now you're in trouble. And I think that's an area that I need to see how many Diaz is going to work that.
1: I'm also a bit concerned on defense with the depth at linebacker. Um, I think they can be good. I'm just not sure with an injury or two what, what happens there. All right, T. Frank. Good day today. We only got through three questions. Who you got as our winner?
2: oh man they were three good questions though so 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 brad obviously elicited a strong emotion which is in contention i think kent asked a good question however it was three questions in one question so i think we got to go with brad because he did ask a single question
1: all right there we go a well thought out choice too not a willy-nilly, just throw out a name as a winner. I appreciate that, T. Frank. But that is it for quarter number three. Stick around. We're going to talk some recruiting in quarter number four. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise. Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
3: What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State, by author Greg Woodman, looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante. And it's time for the Penn State Rivals Recruiting Update with EJ Daniels. EJ, my friend, how are we doing today?
5: Great. Another uh, big weekend in uh, Penn State recruiting. Just uh, excited to be here, and thank you for having
1: me. Oh, it's always great to have you. As you mentioned, another big weekend. The big news is last weekend, the Lash Bash, which has become the big event at Penn State for recruiting, uh, they had plenty of their commitments there. Good time was had by all, it seems, just by the reaction. But let's get down to the business of the weekend. Let, let's start with the quarterback position. With the decommitment of Marcus Stokes, that left Penn State empty-handed at the quarterback position for the class of 23. Most, if not all, of the top guys have already committed. But there's a name that attended the lash bash that Penn State is looking at for the class of 23. What can you tell us about Jackson Smolick?
5: Yeah, so uh, two weeks ago, when I was on here, uh, one of the first times I was on here, I mentioned Jackson Smolick as a potential target, you know that Penn State was going after, seeing that, you know he finished really well in the elite 11 and subsequently, he earned an offer from uh, other big name schools such as Cal, you know, and, and then he would be on, you know, Penn State's radar. And then after that Elite 11 and after getting those offers, he confirmed that he was going up to Lash Bash and would be uh, putting all his talents for the coaches. And that's exactly what he did. You know, he went up there, you know, tore it up. And from everything that we've heard from all the uh, recruiting analysts that we had on campus, they tell us that he impressed the coaches so much, you know, that he was extending an offer that he confirmed today that he was given an offer by Penn State. So um, all of our analysts, all of the insiders are expecting him to flip, um, seeing as that Marcus Stokes also flipped. So he's verbally committed to Jackson Small, he's verbally committed to Tulane right now. And with this Penn State offer, this is by far his strongest offer between Cal and, and, and Penn State. So they're expecting him to flip. And if he did flip, it'd be a huge get. For the class seen as that, you know, they they had one that flipped already. so. He's definitely a pro-style quarterback, one that Mike Gerg has personally recruited himself to run that system, has a big arm, some mobility. This is definitely a great get if he happens to flip for Penn State.
1: It obviously would be a nice get for them because they do need to fill that hole. If not Smolik, are there any other names, at least on the radar?
5: Uh, yes, there were one. There was another one, um, C.J. Tiller, he was a verbal commit uh, currently to, Pence, uh, to uh, Boise State. Excuse me. Um, he's out of Rancho Cucamonga, Rancho Cucamonga, California. But he was another 2023 quarterback that was on campus that was very impressive uh, per the uh, staff that we had in attendance. While an offer, it may not be necessarily in the waiting for him, he could be a name to monitor if Smaller isn't the answer uh, for the Nittany Lions. And then and one more is uh, probably uh, Alex. Uh, Irby, he's out of uh, Steelton, PA. Uh, the the high school is Steelton uh, High Spire. Irby's a flying. He's flying a bit under the radar, in my opinion, both regionally and nationally. He's a massive quality offer list. So for, so far, including uh, several Power Five offers. But he's a guy also, you know, that's further down Penn State's list. But it's probably, you know, if they strike out on Smiling and if they strike out on uh, Tiller, that he's probably going to be someone they look at also.
1: But it appears Smolik is number one on their list right now.
5: Yes, sir. He, he is numero uno. He is the head honcho on their list. You know, seeing as they gave him an offer already. So, yes, sir.
1: Okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's stick with class of 23. We mentioned Marcus Stokes at quarterback as a decommit. They also had a decommit at wide receiver. That was Yazine Haynes, who, ironically, they got to decommit from Rutgers commit to Penn state decommits Penn state now going to Georgia, at least that's where his commitment is. So there has to be a, another direction for them in the head. What are the names to look at at wide receiver for class of 23?
5: Uh, really right now for class of 23, one potential name that's very strong right now is look at for, look at wide receiver, Justin Brown from Tennessee Um he had a good showing, he was uh, he attended dash. Bash. Um, he definitely impressed coaches. He impressed coaches so much and put on such a performance that he scheduled an official visit. Now I don't remember when that exact date is, but he will be back to Penn State. And so, you know, once you get those official visits going and you know you get these guys on campus, it's tough to say no, but if they got Justin Brown, that would be another huge get, you know, to, to get in their wide receiver room. Yazi Haynes was cool. I did like him. He does bring a lot of explosiveness to the table, but Justin Brown brings that same ability to the table too. Maybe not as dynamic, but you know he can win in more than in more ways than one in terms of with the ball in his hands after the catch, stacking one uh, DBs on routes. He's really good. He's not a four star. I believe he's a three star, but he's every bit as good as Yazi, Yazi Haynes in my opinion. Uh,
1: very good. Now another name uh, that. You, I did not know this name at all. You mentioned it to me uh, prior to the start of the show, and that Zion Tracy, listed as an athlete, he's also class of 23, I guess can be either wide receiver or a defensive back. W- what can you tell us about him?
5: Yes, this is a very impressive athlete. As I told you off air, this is a young man that has been on my feed, in my text messages, in all of my group chats for the past two weeks, and everything I've been hearing is that you know his personal performance, his one-on-one performance is catching these coaches' eye. And nothing was different when he went up to batch. I mean, he went up there, he went up against uh, a 2023 commit, the Ijani Shakir, in the one-on-ones, and and, and looked pretty nice. Uh, you said that you saw my clip that I retweeted this morning. You know, he's got you know fluid hips quite the athlete and you can't really find these cover corners just you know lying around everywhere so zion tracy has been a name that's been uh on their recruiting trail for the past you know couple weeks and like with this uh lash bash performance we're hoping that it uh you know involves uh an offer and um from some sources that i've talked to said that if he does get an offer he is most certainly going to commit in swiftly so that is that is one source reached out to me and told me so You know, Zion Tracy uh, has some interest in Penn State, and Penn State has a lot of interest uh, in Zion Tracy.
1: That's always a good thing when both sides have an interest. You mentioned EJ. Um, Yes, I saw the video that you posted of um, him on your Twitter site. Just for our listeners, how could they follow you on Twitter?
5: Yes, you could follow me at edaniel77 at Twitter. I'm active pretty much every day. More than half of my job is uh, on Twitter, following recruit news, posting my articles and all that stuff. So, again, at E Daniel 77 is where you can find me on Twitter.
1: Okay, folks. E Daniel 77 on Twitter to follow EJ. EJ, um, some more news this week before we get to anything with the class of 24 attendees at the Lash Bash. Um, bit of negative news Penn State. On the radar, it seems like almost forever, has been offensive lineman Evan Link. And, you know, we were always thinking, well, this has come down to either Penn State, Stanford, Stanford, Penn State. And in the end, he committed to?
5: Michigan. He committed to Michigan. And uh, that was actually just happened today. You know, today he committed to Michigan. So based on what the sources have been saying, is that what the big holdup was is that he wanted to visit Michigan first. So as I reported before, my sources had told me that, you know, it was down to Penn state and it was down to Stanford, but you know, in the ninth hour, you know, he wanted to take that, you know, visit up to Michigan state because I believe he had a cousin who is also on Michigan's roster. And so he wanted to go up there and uh, see how it is. And he liked it so much that he committed today. So, um, I'm not sitting here saying that's a huge loss, but he would have been very nice to have. You know, he was a offensive tackle that can make all of the blocks in the run game, was a solid prote- solid pass protector, good balance, good athleticism, man. These guys, these offensive tackles with these plus athleticism, they don't, again, they don't just fall out everywhere. They don't just, they're just not just laying on the sidewalk. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a big hit for Penn State, but they seem to be trying to uh, recoup some of that, you know, in their 2024 class.
1: Got it. Okay, just a quick explanation on timing. We're actually recording on Monday, so when EJ says he committed today, we're talking Monday. You folks are probably hearing this a little bit late, later on in the week. All right, real quick with the couple minutes we have left, EJ, um, the Lash Bash, class of 23, although there's a couple misses, a couple holes still there, it was really about the class of 24. That's where the volume was of players that showed up. Who are a couple of the names from class of 24 that we should be aware of that that attended Lash Bash?
5: Yeah, so um, <clears throat> there, as I mentioned before, Penn State seems to be going, you know, really aggressively after offensive linemen. indicative of these moves that they made right here, they um, offered – Uh, two offensive linemen, uh, twin brothers, Deontay Armstrong and Devontae Armstrong, both offensive tackles from St. Edward uh, High School in Lakewood, Ohio. They're two big physical offensive linemen who are also athletic, but they offer, you know, these two guys after last bash. And then they had a 2024 commit also, uh, Cooper Cousins. He committed prior to going up to last bash, but, uh, He's a top 100 player in the country. Uh, he has a big, strong lower body and has great hands. So all of the linemen that they're trying to, you know, recruit and, and, and have already committed, you know, we're at Lash Dash. Um, the Twins, though, the Armstrong Twins, they have a, another visit set up to go up to uh, Michigan State, I believe. But they had they did leave, you know, with an offer from uh, Penn State. And then uh, two more names that I want to get out there just so we know for the um, 2024 class, we have a loyal Malzahn from Rochester, New York. He's out of East Ridge High School. He wasn't given an offer, but he did catch the coach's eye. coach Tracy specifically, you know, like this young man. And then another man, another young man, uh, Tyrell Simmons, uh, big wide receiver, big body guy who put on a great uh, effort at last bash. Also caught Coach Coach Tracy's eye. Uh, he was definitely um, another name in the 2024 class that we need to watch. Some of these two guys may be receiving um, offers from Penn State in the not-too-distant future. But, again, those two names were Tyrell Simmons and uh, Loyal Malzahn were two guys that caught Coach Tracy's eye, you know, in, in terms of performance at the uh, last match.
1: Very good, EJ. Again, the Lash Bash, we keep hearing reports how much the players enjoyed it. It's always a big recruiting event at Penn State, a way to wrap up the schedule. Now as we hit in August, it's going to be time to start talking about the real season. That is it, unfortunately, for time. EJ, thanks so much for all the information, and thank you all for listening to our show. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
3: In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s. A unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old state's past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.